looking at Matthew, the seventh chapter. We're actually wrapping up today, be still your hearts, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, <coughs> which we've been in <laughs> almost all year. Actually, we started in January, didn't we? Uh, it's now been a while, but we're going to wrap this up, and then we're going to continue through the book of Matthew, verse by verse, looking at the teachings of Jesus. It will speed up dramatically now, because we'll start reading what Jesus did, and he went there and walked on the water, and all these different twists and turns and stuff like that, so it moves much faster. Uh, there's a couple other places where he gets into some more detailed teaching, and when we hit those spots, you'll see it slow down, because you've got to explain it, like this stuff, but by and large, it'll, it'll move around uh, pretty well. So... Uh, That's what we're going to do. So we're going to pick it up now at verse 13. We've been talking about this. We left off here. You know, enter through the narrow gate, Jesus said. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. What are you giggling at? We can finally hear you. Oh, you couldn't hear me that whole time? No, not very well. Oh. Oh, the front row people couldn't hear you. I'm trying to preach. She said they're giggling on the front row like a Cheshire cat. We're good now though, huh? All right, because I'm preaching right to you this morning. (laughs) All right, so broad is the way that leads to destruction. Some people need to avoid that. The broad road to destruction. And then narrow is the road that leads to life. Now that's very different. We've gotten so far away from the teachings of Jesus. Most Christians today believe everybody goes to heaven. Everybody's going to go to heaven. Most people go to heaven. Yeah. Well, Jesus taught exactly the opposite. Most people don't make it. Now, how many and what percentage is none of our business. Who knows? But he said it ought to make us take this more seriously. You think you're just going to slide in because you're so cute? You are delusional. All right. We got to do this intentionally. And he warns. Okay. Then he he talks about this next part. He says, watch out for false prophets. And we skipped over this last time. I said I was going to back up. So we're backing up today to catch this. Why would you need to watch out for false prophets? Because most people are going to miss this. And he's saying, be careful. Be careful that you don't miss it. Watch who you listen to and who you let into your life and who you let speak into your life. Because there are people coming along that they have their own interest at heart. They don't really care about you. And you need to be careful that you don't miss it. It's his point. He says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. The Bible, the New Testament talks a lot about these kinds of people. They just want stuff for themselves. They are either out for money, or seducing people, or just about ego and pride. They want to become something that they're not, so they love to position themselves uh, just for their own purposes. So he says, watch out. And then he tells them how to watch out. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Of course not. Likewise, every good tree that bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. He goes on. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Now this is kind of an interesting statement. And he's really hammering this home. And I just want to make it clear. everybody We all have issues. Everybody's got stuff. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, my wife is perfect. But other than that, nobody else is perfect. Okay, we all have stuff and I'm not talking about that, but there are people who have chronic nastiness in their life and they don't take it seriously. They, they dismiss it. They say, well, you know, it's, I got those few issues, but everything else is good. No, you're a bad tree, man. You're in trouble. You need to take this seriously because a good tree, Jesus says, cannot bear bad fruit. 
You got someone who's continually, chronically doing destructive things or having major problems in their lives, you need to stop, you need to focus, you need to get it right. If it means you need to get your butt into your campus pastor and get some help or whatever you got to do, get it right. Take this seriously. He's not kidding here. He's talking about life and death and eternity. So just be careful. Um, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is going to be cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Now here's the deal. Look at who is speaking into your life or trying to speak into your life. Look at their life. What are they like? What is the fruit coming out of their life? Is their life dominated by the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, self-control. Or are they people who in areas of their life are complete disasters? Because that is often the case. Some of the people who claim to be the most spiritual people. God told me this, and God told me that, and God, it was amazing. But you look at their lives, and they're disasters. They can't hold a job to save their lives. They can never pay their bills. They're always at war with their families. They're, you know, something's wrong. They hate their husbands. They hate their wives. Whatever, blah, 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 blah. But yet they're so spiritual. Listen to me. When someone talks into your life, look at their life. If their life is a mess, ignore them and get away from them. Amen. So, well, no, brother, pastor, that's not fair because they just have some issues. No, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Be careful, he says here. Watch out for that stuff. They're so spiritual. I promise you, I've been in this for over 40 years. When someone comes to me and says, pastor, I think God wants us to do that. I look at who's talking to me and I look at their life. And if their life is a disaster, I may see their lips moving, but all I hear is blah, 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 stinking blah. I am not listening to them. I smile and pretend I'm listening to them, but I ain't listening to them. Because I don't care how smart you think. You're, how, well, I got, I got the book of his Ezekiel memorized from front to back. and I'm just, I don't care. You are a mess. And if you can't get your life together, don't be coming around here and prophesying to me or anybody else. God, Good grief. Watch, be careful. The Bible warns us against people. Look at their lives. There's all kinds of things. You know, the Bible warns not only of you know, false teachers, but people who are divisive and come in and cause all kinds of trouble. And I'm warning all of us. You guys listen to me in Appleton, Stevens Point, here as a church. We need to be careful. Be careful. Don't be divisive. Don't go around causing all kinds of problems by asking all kinds of questions. What? Why are they doing that? Well, why did they do that? I'm not sure we should be doing that. And why is it that pastor or it's such a narcissistic crazy man. He wears all these fancy shirts. There's something wrong with him. I'm not sure that's right. Stop. Money's a big thing. I'm not sure the money should be spent this way or that way. We should be spending this money for people in Bazabanza land. Stop. If you don't want to give to something and send your money to Bazabanza land, Fine. Don't go around criticizing everybody else. Besides, that kind of thinking will drive you crazy. We'd never do anything around here because all the money could go to Bonza Bonza land. We're not going to plow this parking lot this year. 
walk over to snow. Because we're going to save that money for bonza bonza land. You know how much money we spend on toilet paper every year? Come on, people, time it out. Go before you come. Everybody should be able to last an hour and 15 minutes. We'll use that money for people in Bonza Bonza land. Seriously. See people getting all fidgety. You won't know if the Holy Spirit's moving or people's bladders are filling up. Just, just. Don't be going around. Listen, Satan. If you watch how Satan came after Adam and Eve when they first got here. Now we don't know how long it took from the time God made Adam and Eve until Satan tricked them. It could have been millions of years. My guess, about an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> it wouldn't take long. You know what I'm saying? But Satan comes along and he says to Eve, well, did God really say you can't eat that fruit? That won't really happen, do you think? That's all he's got to do. His first opening line was a question. Now, I'm not saying you can't question stuff around here, but if you got questions, go to your campus pastor and ask him the question. Fine. But don't let people get you all upset. You know, you're going along fine and somebody comes along and says, did you see the way they did that thing over there? You really think we should be... Don't listen to people like that. Look at them and just get away from them. Don't be having all kinds of problems. All right, anyway. Then verse 21, we read this. This is the anti... 21st century American Christian phrase because for the last 50 years in this country we've spent billions of dollars and evangelical Christians having big campaigns and everything just telling everybody if you just ask Jesus in your heart you'll be saved all you gotta do is say Lord come on if you just say Lord Lord you'll be saved you'll be saved you'll be saved you'll be saved we have said that over you, you just say Lord Lord you'll be saved it's funny that Jesus says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven Clearly, Jesus has not been in one of our classes. Because we could set him straight. Look, you need to pray. I get it. You need to ask Christ in your life. I understand that. But do not be deluded. Just because someone prays a prayer doesn't mean they're guaranteed salvation. You've got to live this thing out. Anybody notice? It ain't easy. Intentional Christianity. Okay? So he talked about that. Then we get to verse 24. This is where he wraps it up. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain came, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall. I love the way Jesus taught. He does use all these pictures and parables and stuff to get truth into people. But it did not fall. Why didn't it fall? Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. You notice it's enough just to hear it. It's good that you come and hear it. But even coming and hearing it is not enough. You actually have to put this stuff into practice. We actually have to live it out. Because everyone who hears these words of mine but doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man. Everybody say foolish. A foolish man who built his house on the sand. Then the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew. Shouldn't beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Boom! Now notice what Jesus is saying here. And this will mess with some of y'all's heads this morning. But he says the reason people collapse 
It's not because of the size of the wave. It's because of the strength of the foundation. Are you hearing me? Because everybody thinks, oh, Pastor, I'm struggling. I'm struggling because this wave was so big. I mean, I'm used to little bitty waves and every once in a while, kind of, but Pastor, let me tell you about this wave. It was this kind of wave and it was that kind of wave. And it's that I can't get over because it's that kind of No! And if anything, you will listen to people talk and they'll describe why they're so miserable and so unhappy because they keep telling you about the wave and what an incredible wave it was and how powerful and overwhelming this wave was. But it has nothing to do with the wave. Not its size, not its strength, not its intensity. Whether you stand or fall is based on one thing, your foundation. Well, that sounds kind of insensitive. I know it feels insensitive, but I'm telling you what the Bible says. Not only did Jesus say it, we read about it in Proverbs, the 24th chapter, verse 10. Check this one out. If you falter in a time of trouble, that must have been an awful lot of trouble. That trouble must have been so big. It's no wonder you fell. Wait, you got a different translation. I got the woe is me translation. <laughs> the true translation says, if you falter in a time of trouble, it has nothing to do with the trouble. It's how small was your strength. Well, that's kind of insensitive, isn't it? Wow, I'm telling you, it's not about the size of the wave. It's about the foundation. Well, pastor, it's more than I can handle. No, it's not. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse 13. Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Everybody goes to the same junk you're going through. I know you think it's just you. Woe is me. It's me. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but... No, everybody knows the trouble you see. We have all we all go through stuff. Life is hard. Get in line. And if it's not hard now, yeah, there's something to cheer for. Life is awful. Yay! You know. But it's true. It's hard. And if it's not hard for you today, stick around for a while. Some of you go for years sometimes without trouble, and all of a sudden it's sometimes people go decades without trouble. You know, actually, I feel bad for people who go decades and decades with no trouble. 10, 20, 30, 40 years, nothing goes wrong in their life. And I say, ooh, because when it hits, man, they collapse like a deck of cards. They freak. Everybody has trouble. Everybody has trials. Everybody has waves that come crashing into them. Some are bigger than others. That's because some can handle it more than others. One thing we do know is what he says here. God is faithful. You know what what that means? You can depend on God. God is faithful. He says he will not let you be tempted above what you can bear. And I want you to know something. This scripture is independent of you believing it. That's what's so great about it. There's promises in the Bible that the only way you can get that promise is to stand on that promise and to believe that promise and have faith in that promise. We'll teach on that. But then there's other things that are just facts. It's like gravity. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. I don't believe in gravity. I don't think it has any place in my life. 
I'm a very spiritual person. And I, don't, I don't care whether you believe it or not. There are some principles in God's word that are just bigger than you and what you believe and how you act. And one of these things is this. God is faithful. He will never allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. But it's more than I can. No, it's not. Well, how do you know? Because God is faithful. You're not faithful as somebody you can depend on. We all have people in life you can depend on them. And other people, you just can't depend on them. You, can't, you can give them the simplest task. They can't pull it off. Ralph, just watch the cat for two hours. Just watch the cat. Ralph, can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. I can do it. Right. You come home. Ralph, where's the cat? I, I don't know. I must have got out when I opened the door. Ralph! You got people like that, right? There's other people you know, you can give them anything and you can trust them because they are faithful. I want you to know God is faithful beyond anything you've ever seen. He will never allow you to be tempted about what you can handle. So then why, why did it happen? I don't know why. I tell you, and I've seen all kinds of, I, you know, we just had uh, two uh, wonderful friends uh, that have traveled with us for the last few years, the Sheets. Many of you know that their son was killed in a horrible airplane crash. They, they burned. I mean, it was horrible. And they weren't out partying. These kids were on their way to a youth ministry so they could serve God. And it was horrible. I was with them. Deb and I were with them the night they got the call. I'll never forget it as long as I live. To hear what had happened to their boy who just graduated from ORU University. Just getting ready to start his life. These people loved. They loved their kids. And all they ever talked about. Those two boys. All they ever, we, get to, we just spent hours flying in an airplane. Talking about them two boys. We were working their lives all out for them in advance. We we're getting ready to check out the new girlfriend. Make sure she was good enough for him. You know I mean? We just were. We were biting. We are into it. You know. And to get that phone call. I'm telling you, when I heard what had happened, it was like somebody reached into my lungs and sucked out every bit of air in me. I was stunned, mortified. And he gets off the phone. I could hear because he was talking out loud to me what had happened. And that happened. What? How many were killed? Did Luke die? I understand. But, but was Luke killed? They didn't want to tell him. But yeah, but did do oh so he did, he died, okay. Hung up that phone and he said, Well, praise God. Praise God, we're just gonna trust God through this whole thing. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be saying that. I I can't say anything. And he leads us all in prayer to comfort us. I thought, how do you get that way? Because he's on the foundation, you see. Then there's other people, they can't get over it because their pet goldfish died six years ago. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be mean and insensitive. I know people suffer and they grieve and all that kind of stuff. We have grief sharing programs and stuff. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, as much as we help in that program, in these programs, and you guys teaching these programs, at the end of the day, the reason people are struggling is not because of the size of the wave that hit them. It's because of the lack of foundation they have on you need to get this in your life. People's lives are constantly being knocked about and everything is awful. 
And you try and help them and all they do is describe the size of the wave. That's what it was horrible. It knocked me to the ground. And the wave It was huge. It was huge. Okay. But it's not about the wave. It's about your foundation. You get this in you. Listen, have you ever seen, we've all seen this beautiful picture. Maybe you've been out to the Pacific Ocean, Atlantic, and you see these lighthouses that are out there, and they are built on such a solid rock of foundation, and the waves come smash, and sometimes massive waves come in, and just crash, and water goes flying everywhere. It looks really cool, right? We've all seen, it's like, wow. Do you know that lighthouse really doesn't care how big the last wave was? Doesn't make a difference. It's not like the lighthouse went, whoa, that was a bad one. It's irrelevant. Whether there's tons of them, big ones, little ones, they're on a foundation. Likewise, you ever build something in the sand? All it takes is the tide to start coming in a little bit. And as soon as water touches it, everything collapses. Oh, no, I spent hours with that. Ah, melting, I'm melting. You know, it's just... It's, it's horrible. There's a little tiny trickle of water. It's not about the size of the wave. It's about getting the foundation. So, Pastor, how do you get the foundation? Jesus said, if you hear what I'm teaching you and you put them into practice, you will be on a rock. If you don't, you're on sand and you're in big trouble. Well, I heard it. I went to church every day. Yeah, but you promised you never practice it. And we're just talking the foundational teachings of Christ, which we just finished in the Sermon of the Mount. We went through this a couple of weeks ago. What is the Sermon of the Mount? Rejoice when people insult you. Don't hide your faith. Don't hate people. Make peace with everyone in your life. Settle disputes with people before they drag you into court. Don't lust after women. Don't divorce your spouse. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Do good things. Just so God can see you, not so other people can see you. When you pray, pray simply, don't babble. Forgive people or God won't forgive you. And Lord, if that isn't a big one. reason why some of y'all are just miserable in your lives. And God can't bless you and you are chronically sick and off. Is because you are so bitter. Some of y'all still will not forgive an ex-wife or an ex-husband. Some some of y'all can't stand your current wife or husband and you're always fighting you're like you know in church you're like hallelujah hallelujah we love you Jesus we love you Jesus hallelujah praise God pastor how you doing oh sister so and so how you doing and then we get you home and you're yelling and scraping each other's eyeballs out and well pastor why am I so sick because you're full of poison stop it Let it go. You want God to heal you? Let it go. Full of unforgiveness and bitterness. Good Lord. Put your money into the kingdom of God. Quit worrying. Trust God. Don't judge people. And then be active in your faith. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. It won't happen if you just sit on your butt and don't do anything. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is it. This is it. We need to live this and practice this and know this. Some of y'all were done. We need to go back next week and you need to read those five chapters again. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 
And then the week after that, you need to read it again. Matthew 5, 6, and some of you need to read this over and over and over until this gets inside of you and it starts to change your life. Sometimes people say, well, Pastor, why don't you teach more meaty stuff? You know, we, want, we want more meat. More meat. You know, you know, real meaty stuff is what we want. I teach on the, on the tabernacle. The Old Testament tabernacle with the outer courts and the inner courts and the side court and the basketball court and the tennis court. And <laughs> Why don't you teach them? Who cares? You want to study it? Study it. But I know people who all know all about the tabernacle, but they live like hell. Know all about the tabernacle and they still hate people in their lives. Know all about the tabernacle. They haven't given money to the kingdom of God. Well, they tip them about $3 a year. You know? Think they know so much they go to church twice a year whether they need it or not. Seriously? And then you wonder why your life is a mess. You want to say that stuff? Knock yourself out, man. I'm trying to just get basic, sound Christianity into people. When I die and go to heaven, I don't care if you know jack squat about the tabernacle. I want you to know this. When you stand, the Lord says, you know anything about the tabernacle? I say, no, I, I do not. Because I went to Mark Gunger's church. But, but, but I love people and I serve God and I forgave people and I live this out and he's going to say come on in faithful servant people getting all kinds of major on minor stuff some people just love all that little doctrinal knowledge pastor why don't you teach on the book of revelation because quite frankly, I don't understand it. <laughs> and here's the kicker. Neither do you. <laughs> well, what about the end times? Well, what about... I can't believe I'm going to spend all this time on end time teaching. End time teaching. And then this is going to happen. And that's going to happen. And that's going to happen. And we need to read. And these, you know, we've got that big statue. And it's got clay and metal feet and eyeballs sticking out. We, we are, seriously? Here's all you need to know about the end time. Number one, it's going to be really bad. (laughs) Number two, you need to be ready by doing this. End of lesson. (laughs) I get around pastors sometimes, they always get the theological questions. What do you think about transubstantiation? What do you you think about the doctrinal this, that, and the other? And all I'm here is blah, 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 blah. And then they finally turn to me and say, well, Mark, what do you think about it? I say, seriously, dude, I'm just trying to get guys to quit looking at porn. I'm just trying to get them to be nice to each other. I don't care about all that stuff. But brother, are you a Calvinist or are you an Armenian? I'm a Puerto Rican. That's what I am. <laughs> Look, you want to study that stuff? Knock yourselves out. You want to have a life group? That's fine. I'm not against it. It says, man, I, I, this, we have got to do this. We have got to do the basics. If we cannot love each other and be kind and raise healthy children and have godly grandchildren, getting our faith in our grandchildren, man, that... And the church has been so bad about that. That's that's what I'm looking for. Talking to my grandkids about knowing God and making the right decisions in their life. (laughs) By the way, anybody seen this new TV show, The Duck Dynasty? Uh Have you seen this thing? 
This, this is one of the best shows I have ever seen in my life. You've got to check this out. Go on iTunes and download the whole first season. It's, it is a scream. It's about these rednecks in Louisiana who are multi-gazillionaires. Okay, it's like the Beverly Hillbillies, but it's real. Okay? And these guys, they're blowing stuff up and shooting stuff. And, you know, <laughs> the two, two guys will be out there. And, they're, and they got beards and hair. And they're practicing their golf swing. And all of a sudden, they'll pop up. And they cut to the other shot. And two of them are shooting at the guys. Blam, blam. You know, it's like <laughs> they shoot everything. Blowing stuff up. It is hilarious. Because the old man, he had, he had created a duck call that made millions of dollars. Now they got no, more money to know what to do with. And it's hilarious. But they're people of faith. And they love God. And they pray together. And I love it when the grandpa talks to their grandson about life. And he's talking to his grandson. grandson. He says, now, now, son, he says, you got a girlfriend? Yes, sir. They're always so polite, you know. Yes, sir. Our kids are, huh? You know, but the, <laughs> what? Oh, sure, I guess. You know, but these kids, do you have a girl? Yes, sir. Well, does she wear a lot of makeup? No, sir, just a little bit. He goes, oh, that's good, he says. You got a girl with a lot of makeup. No telling what's hiding under there. <laughs> but he wasn't talking about looks. He goes on and explains. He says, because sometimes they're hiding something that's bad in here. When you got to lay so much on here, you're trying to make up for something that's in here. And his, his grandson just listened to him. He says, he says, you know what you need to do? Yeah, it's okay to marry a homely woman. <laughs> as long as she's a good woman. See? And he says, this is how you know a good woman. Number one, she can cook. Number two, she carries her Bible. And number three, she loves to eat bullfrogs. I mean, and he's serious as a heart attack. And so here the old man, he's, he looks like Moses, you know, just like, walking through. And he's got all this money. And it is a scream. It's like Jed Clampett. You have got to see this show. But here is a family that's living together as family and passing their faith, pass their kids on to their grandkids and just, oh, I want to be like that. Except I can't grow a beard. <laughs> anyway, where am I? Verse 28, when Jesus had finished these, saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it's amazing how simple faith is, but yet how incredibly difficult it is at the same time. Some of the most basic concepts we keep forgetting. That's why we need to be reminded to do the right thing. Help us, God, to hear, not just to hear your teachings, but to put them into practice. Help us to live out genuine Christianity. The kind of faith that not just enriches our lives, but it touches our children and our grandchildren. Help us, Lord, to live this stuff out. Because if we can live this stuff, Lord, give me a hundred people who will live this out and we'll change the world. Help us. Help us to get to the basics. To honor you, serve you, fear you, do the right thing. All in love. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.